My name is Victoria Winters. My journey is beginning. A journey that I hope will open the doors of life to me and link my past with my future. A journey that will bring me to a strange and dark place. To the edge of the sea, high atop Widow's Hill. A house called Collinwood. A world I've never known, with people I've never met. People who tonight are still only shadows in my mind. Davenport. We're bringing you a special bonus episode of the Haunted Davenport and we're actually this will be the first of many bonus episodes we hope. We'll see what time allows but this is the long promised Dark Shadows sidecast bonus episodes where we go deep with the Dark Shadows television series. So strap in because how many episodes are there Drew? 1,225 episodes of the original series, right. Dark Shadows. Not to mention two television movies and... Or were they television movies? Oh, I think they were theatrically released. We'll get there anyway. Um, so we're going to break down the show into sections, hopefully digestible bites. And for this long involved project of episodes, it's going to just be Drew and myself because um, we didn't really want to subject our our uh, co-hosts to and also you know future guests can join in if they want to but we didn't want to subject anyone else to the long project of research and watching that is dark shadows that's not to say it's not a fun project it's just very involved right so yeah a lot of episodes to watch also like we usually do in our regular episodes we're gonna go full spoilers for this series um this is currently available on Amazon Prime. Dark Shadows is broken into a few sections on Amazon Prime. You have Dark Shadows The Beginning, which is several seasons long. Um, and then Dark Shadows, This I think it's just called Dark Shadows the, the series for the rest of it. And basically, if you know anything about this show, you've seen the show, you'll know that there's kind of a turning point in the series with the introduction of an infamous vampire character. So for the first couple episodes that that we're going to be putting out, we're going to be discussing that beginning series, which does not have the vampire. He has not arrived yet. This is actually what I like <laughs> to think of as the normal stretch of the series before it gets really weird and goes it's, off the rails. It's like the, the founding episodes. Sure. Yeah. And it, this, so this was a soap opera, basically, to, for lack of a better term. It was a daytime drama that aired from 1966, June 1966, until April of 1972. It was created by Dan Curtis for the ABC Network, and it was on daily during that period. And many of our parents' generation 
have fond memories of rushing home from school to watch Dark Shadows. Yeah. Like Drew's mom. Literally what my mom said about the Dark Shadows was that she rushed home from school to listen to it or watch it. Hi, Leslie. (laughs) Yeah, she will be listening. Yes. Um, (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And we're going to get into it. Um, And sorry, we're not going to talk about Barnabas for a few episodes, really. Because he doesn't show up for quite a few episodes. And... There's so much to talk about before he shows up. Oh, I yeah. think this series is really entertaining. It's worth watching. And it's kind of too bad that it didn't really pick up steam until the introduction of the vampire. Because uh, according to uh, a documentary we've seen and articles we've read and just people who remember, people weren't watching it in droves until Barnabas Collins appears and then the ratings went through the roof as far as what I could tell. Um, We also recently, in addition to working our way through a lot of these episodes, watched a really good documentary about Dan Curtis, the creator. It's called Master of Dark Shadows, and it was made just last year, and that's also available on Amazon Prime. We are not getting subsidies from them. We're not advertising for them. We're not? No. Oh, man. Just in case anyone's wondering... You should um, at least get free Prime. But if you're interested in the series uh, and you've seen it, there are some plot spoilers in there. So maybe watch the series and then the documentary or at least watch some of the series. Because we haven't even finished the series yet. And there was a few little things that were like, oh, well, now we're we know that happens. We're not halfway done with the series yet. No, we are not. And there's so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yep. So... All kinds of supernatural creatures. The reason why we're doing this on Haunted Davenport, in case you haven't seen the show or you're not familiar with Dark Shadows, is because it is a supernatural soap opera. It was the supernatural soap opera. Later, I think there were some shows that kind of tried yeah. to play into that. There was a weird show in the early 2000s called Passions, which I only saw glimpses of here and yeah. there at friends' houses. And I think there was like sorcery involved in that. But um, I couldn't really tell you. Anyway, this this show, I think, influenced a whole style of sort of mid-century and then later century gothic horror. You know, slow burn parlor dramas mixed with ghosts and seances and, oh, you know, ominous, ominous apparitions at the doorway. But, yeah, so, um, real quick, I thought we would maybe talk about the basic premise for the first few, I don't know if it's even like for a couple seasons of this beginning part of the series or just like the main, we thought we were going to talk about some main storylines that are happening in within like the first, what would you say, 50 episodes? Uh, If we seem fuzzy on that, I apologize. It's just that there's a lot, a lot of episodes. But no, we were going to break it down sort of as a occurrences and what everyone's talking about in Collinsport at the time. Because mm-hmm. there's often 25 different things going on in Collinsport. Small town, a lot of stuff going on. Well, that's typical of a soap opera. I don't know. Right. Drew, did you ever catch any soap operas when you were a kid? Were they I ever didn't watch on? a lot. Um, usually my soap opera knowledge consisted of uh 
is it almost over and can I watch <laughs> Batman now? Sure. I understand. And I was at uh, my grandma Marlene's house. She would watch As the World Turns every single day. Um, she got into the, uh, the 20th century when she got a video recorder, a VCR, for, for you kids, that's a thing that's an analog tape that goes around and around in a machine and records TV <laughs> that you're not watching. And you have to actually set up times and dates and uh, hope that something didn't get delayed because of a football game going long. Anyways. Also, I feel like with the VCR, it was really common if you were recording or you had recorded a favorite movie or something and you left that in the VCR, there was a strong chance that somebody who watched soap operas was going to tape over it with your soap tape. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about a Christmas special tape that we had when I was a kid, and halfway through Frosty the Snowman, suddenly there's part of Guiding Light, so, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, people, (laughs) when you're watching a soap, you know, you have to keep watching it. Definitely. Because things just whiz by, plot points constantly. I mean, you miss three days and all of a sudden somebody's not only dead, but they've re-risen from the dead. Yes. And so... And that's in a non-supernatural soap opera. Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's, an, that's from Days of Our Lives. Um, they, did have a, they did have an exorcist rip-off plot in the early 90s. I, I had my, my mother watched some soap operas here and there when I was really young. And so I'd watch them with her sometimes. And then my stepmother, when she came into my life, she happened to watch the same ones. So there was this weird continuity in my uh, exposure to daytime television where we would watch, uh, as you said, As the World Turns. Mm -hmm. And then right after that was Guiding Light. Those were both on CBS, I believe. And one day I was talking to my grandmother, my paternal grandmother, who incidentally was a big Dark Shadows fan, um, she told me that Guiding Light had actually been a radio soap opera before it was on television. Which oh yeah, I thought same was a... with uh, General Hospital. Yeah, so there's this long, wonderful tradition <coughs> of whether you're into it or not of, of storytelling that's really a lot of content. And I think anyone who's ever worked in daytime television will tell you that it's a gauntlet. You don't, with um, Dark Shadows, one of the things people think of is, oh, it was so low budget. And they're like, oh, it's campy. And... And they'd say... I just saw a boom mic right. go through the shot. And Why is that stagehand standing in the corner eating a sandwich? They were on a budget, but I'll tell you, when you watch the show and you watch it episode after episode, it's really impressive to me how all of these classically trained actors, because they have some really great actors on the show with really strong pedigrees and lots of experience, um, and you can tell... Sometimes you can tell that there's a moment where they've forgotten a line, but they just power on through. And they'll sometimes adapt the dialogue, or they'll pause for a minute and jump right back into it. But there wasn't time for multiple takes. They were on this constant, tight schedule, and everybody just had to power through. And yeah, occasionally you can see the boom mic shadow, and I've heard people make a drinking game out of that or whatever. But but I think you can you can definitely laugh at that, but I don't think this is a show that you should laugh at, because I actually think it's... As somebody who grew up on 80s and 90s daytime drama, I think the dialogue in Dark Shadows is 
a lot more thoughtful and and witty and uh, a lot of the plot lines are borrowed from classic literature there's a lot more depth i think to some of the conversations these characters have sure in amongst the dramatic things that are that are going on that would never none of these things would happen in real life in one town no and back then not now not and this takes place in the fictitious town of Collinsport, Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's named ca- after the Collins family. It's kind of fun because it's another horror, you know, centered universe that's in Maine because you have the Stephen King universe is all centered around Maine. So something was going on in those little fishing towns. Sure, creepy coastal towns. Yeah, in the that's, north, and I think yeah. part of it is you know. It's dark in the winter right. and dreary, and so it lends itself to... And rainy and stormy. To something like the, you know, the English Moors or something like that, where yeah. everybody's I mean, brooding. I has got to, creepy yeah. coastal towns in the winter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. We like it. Sure. <laughs> so do we want to kind of do a brief little introduction of what Dark Shadows is then, or... Or how the story starts out, anyway, because it goes yeah. in a lot of different directions as it goes on. But, like, the the beginning premise, let's talk about that. Sure. So, I mean, it is a dark soap opera. Even in the beginning premise, before anything supernatural is related to the soap opera, it is a soap opera that consists of mysteries and people's... Uh, people's ill thoughts towards each other and uh family issues there's a lot of you know uh class warfare kind of going on a little bit but yeah it is centered around collins port maine which is named after the collins family and the show basically is centered around the collins family and the horrible things they've done and how they're trying to live their lives post all the horrible things from their past. Well, I'd argue that only really only one of the family members has done really horrible things of this generation. Right. But you you get the the but sense But this generation is making up for the horrible things of the Collins sure. family of the past. Um so the Collins, the members of of the current members of the Collins family because it's a like founding family that you hear references to ancestors and um, they come up again and again throughout the series. But the the characters that are set in the present time of the 60s when this aired are Elizabeth Stoddard, who was originally a Collins, was her maiden name. She's the eldest of the family, the matriarch, and she has a young daughter named Carolyn Stoddard. And a younger brother, um, who's a bit of a ne'er-do-well, named Roger Collins. And then Roger has a little boy named David Collins. And they're the people that live in the mansion up on the hill. And it's quite the mansion. The sets for this mansion are awesome. It's known as Collinwood. And there's amazing um, sconces and a giant fireplace and grand staircase with stained glass windows and big doubled wooden doors that look like they weigh a ton it's essentially the classic american castle yes you know people came to america castles were old and stuffy and so they built these new castles that were hip and cool in 18 
Did you ever see the Hitchcock? 17 something. The Hitchcock movie Rebecca? I thought maybe we watched it together. I can't remember. Um, That's sort of one of the classic modern, more modern versions of gothic horror from, you know, I think that came out in the 40s. Yeah. Anyway, um, forgive me for being fuzzy on the details on Rebecca, but the house Collinwood kind of gives me Rebecca vibes. So Hitchcock fans who've seen that film, you can weigh in on that if you want to. Yeah. Um, but it's it's neat. It's really cool. And, and originally, these episodes were airing in black and white, and at a certain point, they start transitioning to color. And I definitely got excited when we first, even though it's not great colorization, because it's, you know, early low-budget television. It's not like, you know, seeing something in Cinemascope or Technicolor that's just going to pop and be right. gorgeous. Um, but I was excited to see the home furnishings <laughs> in color, because... Drew and I are both nerds for vintage decor and antiques and and elaborate decorations. And like we've said on multiple other episodes of the, I guess, is it the sister show of what we're now doing right now? The non-sidecast? The main haunted Davenport. Davenport, uh, Whenever we are watching a show that has any kind of... um, castle bits in it usually the castle type stuff is mid-century faux victorian castle which we are really big fans of and this collins port or collins wood collinwood manor mm-hmm. i think that's the official name of it yeah um it is hammer horror-esque it or is like corman's poe series right it's yeah. definitely mid-century modern gothic uh, gothic uh faux victorian definitely yeah um <laughs> so i just had a silly thought and i'm gonna say it out loud and then probably regret it but so the haunted davenport is the main podcast uh-huh. and it's just the two of us doing this does this make this the haunted love seat <laughs> the I guess haunted it is, settee. It is the haunted love seat. <laughs> anyway, oh, I love you oh, too, Bear. Never say that again. But <laughs> so. no, really, I thought that was gonna be the intro. Now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, Welcome to the haunted love seat. That's no, you know, that's just. I don't think haunted and seat should be in the same sentence. <laughs> We're going off on a tangent. All right. Because you know, it's what we do, even. Even though we don't have anyone else here to, to, to help help You're just going to blame it on me only, then. No, I'm just going to say that, you know, we've been left unsupervised, so... Sure. You can blame Andy. So, Collinwood <laughs> is the setting for most everything. Collins Port is the is the town. is the main, main setting. Mm-hmm. But most of it goes on in Collinwood, and you've introduced the Collin family. Um, so, that's the people who were already there before we get into the show. The show starts, though, because of one very important person. Well, actually, two people together kind of arrive at the same time, but one and is the main They're the very focus. important, they're the reason everything started, but the main person who goes throughout everything and is in every episode is, My name is Victoria Winters, <laughs> which is 
Oh, I was pausing for laughter at home. Um, (laughs) If you've you've watched the show uh, more than five episodes in a row, that gets drilled into your head over and over and over again. Yeah, that's it. They have an opening narration usually done by the character of Victoria, and sometimes other people do the narration, but it's like a little bit of a thoughtful you know, discussion of what's to come. Sure, you know, it's, or like it's the, a the thought ominous... of what could come, what's going on. Basically, it's the catch-up. Yeah. Or if you weren't paying attention or you missed an episode or two. But it's not usually really specific. It's like, there's an ill fog at Collinwood today. You know, it's things like that. Oh. <laughs> so you could, like, have just a, a long, long tape of just... All of those little intros, you know? Darkness shrouds the mind of one of the residents at Collinwood. Exactly. You know, it's just things They're like all that. like that. Yes, it is, but it's great. <clears throat> like, we laugh, but it's it's great. It's, you know, it's, it's very much alluding to, you know, a gothic novel. And, and, right. um, and I will say, we're not going to get too down the down the road with this but victoria winters isn't a character throughout the entire series but she is a main focus for a good chunk of it so you right. will get to hear a lot of victoria winters um as played by alexandra isles and uh a duchess right i think so she's she's definitely i was i was trying to research that a little bit more today she is she is the daughter of a duke um and she is she was born in sweden but i believe she is a of Danish uh, descent. Um, we have a podcasting friend who lives in say. Sweden and is, is Danish. Um, so shout, shout out to Peter. Yeah, we'll have to pick Peter's brain about Victoria Winters sometime. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he's he's very knowledgeable about all kinds of pop culture, so he sure. probably knows so a little bit Victoria about it. Victoria Winters shows up in Collinsport on a dark and foggy night, which I don't think there's any other kind of night in Collinsport. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There might be some sequences where David's playing outside where there's sunshine, but, you know, then a ghost appears. Yeah, I feel like they allude to sunshine during the day every once in a while. It's Maine. It's foggy. But, you know, it's mostly (laughs) fog and storms. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So she shows up on a train, and they're barely stopping even. That's how tiny... Collinsport is they're basically booting her and the only other person stopping at Collinsport off the train as it slows down and then keeps on going the other person is Burke Devlin uh anything to say about Burke Devlin um he is a lantern jaw for days yeah (laughs) um Burke Devlin is played by Mitchell Mitchell Ryan Mitchell Ryan uh, Mitchell Ryan, you might know from uh, one of his big ones was the dad of Greg and Dharma and Greg. I loved him on Dharma and Greg. He was great. Yeah, I, I must he's confess also, that I've watched a lot of Dharma and Greg back in the day. He's in an episode he's the of... the best character on Dharma and Greg, probably. Oh, I don't know. The actress that plays the mom is also pretty Sure, pretty basically awesome. Greg, Greg's, Greg's parents, parents are hilarious. Are the best. Yeah. Anyways, he's also <laughs> the bad guy, which is kind of a funny thing, in um, uh, Lethal Weapon. Oh, okay. Sure Lethal Weapon. I'm going to shame myself and admit that I've never seen any of the Lethal Weapon movies. Oh, so. man. Now i gotta, 
I gotta IMDB it now. I might be wrong. I feel like, I feel like, um, there's a couple people listening to this that might, might be going, <gasps> but you know. Anyways. Um, <laughs> How can you be an 80s child and not have seen those things? But yeah, so he, he also was in an episode of Murder, She Wrote, and that was, that was a fun one. Um, it's like season five or four. I can't remember which, but he plays a sheriff trying to help Jessica deal with some, with a corrupt town. Um, and that was fun. But yeah, he is so charismatic on this show and he's, he's charming all the ladies and he's plotting revenge. And, uh, so, so do you want to talk about the, why Burt Devlin is plotting revenge and why he's come back to Collinsport? So Burt Devlin has come back to Collinsport because, well, I guess we can talk about Burt Devlin first. Uh, he's coming back to Collinsport because he's big and rich now. But when he left Collinsport, uh, was it just five years? Ten years. Ten years. Said, yeah. But, okay, five years before he returned to Collinsport, after he made all his money and got big and amazing, uh, he had just gotten out of prison. For something he didn't for, do. Uh, for vehicular manslaughter, which was not him. Uh I don't know if we 100% know it's not him in the very beginning. He implies He keeps that saying that he went to prison for unjustly. He implies that Roger Collins was involved and that he was implicated falsely. And we don't get the details on that right away. And as far as we're going to go with the show for this episode, we won't get into in too in-depth with that. But that's an ongoing storyline because basically... Um, it's, if anyone has read or is familiar with the story of the Count of Monte Cristo, it's basically the plot of that, um, but in like a modern setting. He's, you know, made, he's a self-made probably millionaire and he is looking to come, basically try to financially pull the rug out from under the Collins family because he holds them all accountable for his name being ruined and the time that he spent in, in prison and uh, he actually even at one point has a copy of the Count of Monte Cristo in his hand and, and is, is seen reading it by another character. I don't remember exactly in which episode, but it's, it's not even, you could say, oh, this is similar to that plot. Like, that's what they were going for. And they even kind of hit you over the head with it a little bit. They're like, there he is with this book. So he's, he's in town and he tells Victoria Winters, who's sort of our main protagonist for a while you know she he finds out where she's going right and she says she's been hired to become a governess at collinwood and he is telling her you should turn around and get on the next right. train back to new york which is where she's from she's an orphan she came from a place that she refers to as the foundling home, which is just the oh, saddest, so saddest name for an orphanage. I mean, just it just oh, Victoria it's Winters the foundling is a foundling, home. and so she, poor Victoria Winters, and she, but she really cherishes her the home. She, apparently, was a really nice place, and she had you know lots of good friends and people who cared for her there, and everyone thinks, including the people there at the foundling home, think it's strange that she should be requested and sent for. And she is requested and sent for by Elizabeth Stoddard to come be a governess to her young nephew, David. And she, um, you know, everybody she encounters her first, 
day, first hour in, in Collinsport is telling her, that house is a bad place. Those families messed up. You know, basically turn turn away, get out of there while you still can. Right. But Victoria Winters won't listen to anybody because Victoria Winters, we find out later, uh, her name is Victoria. And that's not me telling you her name is Victoria. That is what it says on a note pinned to her when she was dropped off at the foundling home. As a baby. I can't take care of her. Um, and then they gave her the last name of Winters because it was Winter when they <laughs> got, when she was dropped off on the doorstep. Aww. So she's such a sad, sad character. Poor Vicky. Poor Victoria Winters. She is, but she is, you But know. she's also the most lovable character and, like, the most, uh, well, she's the character, other than Maggie, what we'll get into much later, probably, uh, that actually thinks about what's going on and cares about everybody else and doesn't just think of herself all the time. Um, she's, she's very level-headed and she's very moral. Right. She has her own compass and it's, it's strong and she follows it. She's a good person, mm -hmm. deep down. She's maybe not the most flamboyant or interesting character, but she's definitely, it's hard not to like her because she's surrounded by people who behave in an indulgent and crazy fashion all the time, and she just basically keeps calm like the eye of a hurricane. And she, she's also very dogged in her pursuit of her parentage. And she comes to Collinswood, or Collinswood because she thinks, um, sorry, Collinwood, she thinks that um, there might be a clue to her parentage because at a certain point in her childhood, she started receiving uh, money from an anonymous sender monthly for her care, and there was never any clue, but then when she was requested by this family that no, no one that she knew had ever heard of, right. she thought, well, maybe somebody here knows well, also, something because the money she's been receiving for years was coming from me was coming from the postal town like the postal address one town over basically mm -hmm. and so she Bangor, thought yeah. yes so she thought i can go up there i can work for these people and i can ask around on my days off and see what's going on and maybe find out who my parents are, where I'm from, what my heritage is, yada, yada, yada. So that is what we find out as we progress on through the episodes. And we realize that Victoria Winters isn't just super uh, stubborn and says, or really hard up for money and needs a job really bad, but she's ignoring everybody in town's advice to turn around and go back to New York. New York's a much better place than Collinsport. Yeah, and it has, it has nothing to do with money because she could have gotten a job in New York really easily. But she she's on a mission, and she goes up to Collinwood and meets the family and proceeds to be subjected to crazy town pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah, um, even before the supernatural, the Collinses are just insane to begin with. Mm-hmm. We have Elizabeth Stoddard, who I feel like is, I really like her. Um, she's played by Joan Bennett, who um, had already had a really extensive career as an actress prior to this, and is later 
in one of my all-time favorite horror movies, Suspiria, where she plays um, Madame Blanc. The original Suspiria. Mm -hmm. And she is very similar in both appearance and mannerism as the character in Suspiria, except for that she's she's an, you know, spoiler, she's kind of an evil character in Suspiria. Well, not kind of, she is. But she she's this very graceful, composed, elegant, older woman, and she um, is definitely sort of the good, sympathetic version of that character on Dark Shadows. And I think probably Dario Argento was a fan of Dark Shadows and probably wanted her for that part. I, I don't know the I background on that, but that, yeah. but I would not be surprised. Sure. Um, but she, her backstory is, is that she has not left the property in 18 years and no one, including her family, knows why. She's just, she'll leave the house, but right. she won't leave their property. Um, right. She hasn't left in 18 years after her husband left and hasn't been back. Mm -hmm. So the Carolyn's whole thing father. is, yeah, her husband, Carolyn's father, uh, Paul, right? Paul Stoddard? Paul Stoddard, yeah. Uh, he left 18 years ago, disappeared, no one knows where he's at, um, has never returned, and everyone believes that Mrs. Stoddard is staying in that house waiting for him to return. That's yep. not exactly the case, but we'll get into that much later. Yes, yes. And she also has, um, she's very funny about the basement. And there's a room in the basement that's locked. And sometimes Victoria hears crying coming right. from the basement. And, um, and little David likes to play down there. And there's also a wing of the house that's just inexplicably closed off, like a major wing. Right. It kind of reminds me of, um... I mean, it's funny because this is something that was made much later, but in the Disney Beauty and the Beast story, there's like the wing of the house that Belle is not supposed to go into. And uh, it's just that classic, like, something bad happened, so we just shut off that right. part of the house. We just locked the door. We have so much house that we can just sort of and amputate one Stoddard section. Stoddard is the only one that has keys to any of these places. Mm, which she keeps around her neck, although yeah. that's not really revealed till later. Right. There's a lot of stuff that, like... When so we rewatched the first few episodes, or I think we watched them now three times. Well, we At watched least the first like few. We watched um, we've watched definitely whole sections of the beginning series, and I think there's I think there's six seasons. If you're going through by the way it's arranged on streaming on Prime, there's six seasons of what's considered the beginning dark shadows yeah. and that's basically six seasons leading up to barnabas right and we watched most of those episodes at least twice just to right. really get a feel for it because so much happens and mm. we started watching dark shadows oh gosh well over a year ago yeah. and had this idea you know that we would talk about it and really liked the show and kind of would binge it in sections, and then, you know, life happened. So we, you know, it kind of, time got away from us, and now it seemed like the perfect time to revisit, but we wanted to refresh right. our minds with what was going on. And as So yeah, now, yeah. That, now that we've refreshed, there's actually quite a few things that happened later that I didn't even notice the first two times watching it, that right. they kind of set up for later. Things like Elizabeth Stoddard having the key around her neck, 
Um, the Which is good sobbing, writing. It's details. Uh, Victoria Winters in early, early episodes, so we're going to talk about it a little bit here. Um, when she first is introduced to the house before other things start happening, uh, one of the side, like we said, there's always like ten different storylines going on at once. Uh, one of the storylines is that people, every time she says she's going to work at Collinswood, they go, oh, you're going to work up there with the ghosts and the goblins. Oh, it's haunted. And it's like they're joking, but then there's like sobbing coming from the basement, and she wants to know like what's going on, so she keeps asking people in the family what's going on. They're like, oh, it's just one of the ghosts. She's like, no, but who is it really? They're like, no, really, it's one of the ghosts. There's just ghosts in the house. Because, like, at first, you just think everyone's joking, but everyone in seriousness believes there's ghosts in this house. Right, but they just joke about it like it's really funny, but, they, but they're like, oh, no, really, there's there's ghosts, you know. That's like, just they a, don't harm you or anything, but there's yeah. just ghosts. That's just the way it is. And so she, she ends up getting to know uh, Carolyn's daughter, Elizabeth's daughter, who's sort of a rich party girl, pretty blonde, always dressed in the latest fashions, and she's... um, She's the cute blonde from up on top of the hill. And she's she even tells Victoria she should leave, but she wants her to stay because she's excited to have somebody her age that's, you know, going to be a friend and vibrant and full of life to come hang out in the haunted house with her. Yeah, because they never actually say it, but I kind of get the feeling that most people victoria or sorry most people uh um carolyn Mm -hmm. most people carolyn's age don't really like carolyn (laughs) well and it's hard to say i wouldn't say that's necessarily true well i think i think guys like carolyn but i think maybe she doesn't have a lot of female friends because they probably look at her as like she's the She's a rich snob who lives up on the hill, and she's a big flirt. And she's a bit of a flibberty gibbet. She is definitely a flibberty gibbet. She's she's likable, but she's very much she behaves like a spoiled child a lot of the time. Especially in contrast to Victoria, you can tell has be, had made made the best of what's been handed to her, and really you know learned to to thrive. Right. And Carol Carolyn seems several years younger emotionally, although I think they're meant to be the same age. If not, I feel like Carolyn might Might be a be year older. older. Yeah. And yet Victoria's the one on that's that. always treated like the older one. Mm-hmm. And in some cases almost put in charge of Carolyn. Yeah, or like emotionally leaned on by both Carolyn and Elizabeth like right. later on. As they get to know her, they really come to depend on her because she's such a stable presence. But she, Carolyn, you want, let's talk about how we're introduced to the character of Carolyn. Because we first see her at shake, the blue whale. shaking her thing. Yeah, the blue, whale. Um, the blue whale, that's one of the other few sets on this show. It is the local bar. I think it's the only bar in town. Um, possibly. It's the only one we're shown, that's Yeah, it's the sure. only one we know about. <clears throat> and... So the local bar, after a certain time of night, really picks up with the young kids, we find out, uh, as we're told in the beginning. And so once the young kids start swinging, we're introduced to Carolyn Stoddard. She's swinging on the dance floor, 
the guy introducing Burke Devlin back into the his hometown after his absence of 10 years. Uh, I believe his line is, I wish my wife could wiggle like that. <laughs> um, yeah. As so, they're eyeballing Carolyn. <laughs> yeah, Carolyn Stoddard's basically just the cute blonde on the dance floor, and that's about as much personalities they give her for a bit Mm -hmm. she's a she like we said she's a flibberty gibbet (laughs) um yeah so she's kind of you know behaving like a standard rich party girl heiress and she's dating joe haskell who's a stable stalwart young fisherman who works for um the collins cannery yeah and he seems like a really good solid guy and because she's into you know because she's a fliberty jib but she wants nothing to do with good and solid yeah so she pretty much from the get-go starts making eyes at burke devlin when he comes into town before yeah, she even so knows they his name first meet um so basically as people meet people throughout the show, uh, their first meeting, Burke Devlin, Joe, and Carolyn all meet each other at the Blue Whale Wall. Carolyn's getting too much dancing going on and starts dancing with a guy that's not Joe. And then Joe gets upset and has to kind of pick a fight with the guy <laughs> dancing with his girl. Yeah. Which I feel like probably that's not the first time that's happened. No. That Joe had to fight a guy for dancing with his girl, and I'm sure that's part of the reason Carolyn does it. Uh, Burke Devlin breaks up the fight, uh, helps Joe not get, you know, stuck with all the charges and everything, and Carolyn's eyes get the, the sparkle in them that, you know, it's like Davy Jones of the monkeys when he sees <laughs> the girl of the episode. Yeah, yeah. She, she got the twinkle in the eye, and she was mesmerized by Burke Devlin. Yeah, she goes cuckoo for him. Let's talk a little bit about how much we enjoy the ambiance of the blue whale, because I think that's a fun, a fun thing to talk about. Sure. I mean, it's... the blue whale's a great place. There's, uh. Pretty much it's got two modes. It's got the day mode, which is always sulking it's and where the day old, drinking. The old, the old day drinkers hang out. Right. So anytime <laughs> you're at the blue whale during the daytime, somebody is trying to drown their sorrows. And usually there's somebody trying to talk them out of horrible things or talk them into horrible things. Uh, and then you have the nighttime scenes and all the nighttime scenes is often also drowning sorrows and things, but in the background, there's always kids doing the twist. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of, they're like, they're dancing to rock, and it's kind of like surf-style rock, and they, um, it's, it's a nautical-themed dive bar. It's got float lights and little port lights and And portraits of ships on the walls. And it's, it's, it's neat. It just looks like a fun place. It looks like a bar you'd want to hang out in. And I got really, the first time we saw it, I immediately thought of um, the original run of Twin Peaks, and I just felt like David Lynch probably was watching this show a little bit, because there's... Getting some inspiration. Yeah, well, there's there's definitely, in, and we're, we're gonna 
delve into Twin Peaks at some point on the Haunted Davenport, and we'll probably talk about it some more. But there, I can't pinpoint exact details, but I just get a vibe of like this feels like it seeded some of the atmosphere and some of the moments in Twin Peaks. Sure. In fact, I feel like some of the music they play at the Blue Whale when the kids are rocking out is reminiscent of something you would have seen um, when, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of, what's the name of the kid that was dating Laura Palmer secretly on the side? I can't think of his name right now, and Twin Peaks fans are probably screaming oh. at me. But he rides a motorcycle, and he's all moody. James. James. He's, like, kind of, like, the, like James and Donna are kind of, like, they've got a little bit of a throwback, like, late right. 50s, early 60s vibe to them. And so the things they're into, and James is playing his guitar, and he's got his little kind of rebel, like, I'm tough or want to be tough kind of vibes going on. And I just could picture them at the Blue Whale. Like, I just feel like the sure. teen, I don't know, I just, I immediately thought of that. But it's also just, just a fun place, and, um... I actually, when I was in college and I first turned 21, I was uh, going to U of O and I lived in Eugene and there was this bar, John Henry's, that was like kind of legendary amongst everybody in yeah, my I age know group. John Henry's. And, um, and John Henry's is no more, even in its later incarnation, at least last I heard. I yeah. don't live in Eugene anymore, so I'm out of, out of the loop. But when I was 21... For years previous, and then years after I turned 21, they had this infamous 80s night. And so we'd all go, and we'd dance, and it was back when you could still smoke in bars, which I'm so glad you can't anymore, but oh, it was terrible. It was so much fun, and it was just like all these punk kids hanging out, rocking out to 80s music, and they'd play like more obscure 80s music, not just like, you know, top 40 Madonna stuff. And there was sort of this... Duran Duran. This like railing that was really wide that you could kind of perch on and look out over the dance floor... And you'd go and use the restroom, and you'd try not to touch anything, and your feet would stick to the floor. And one time I left my debit card there overnight, so I had to go back the next day to pick it up. And mm-hmm. they opened around like 4 or 5 in the afternoon. And I'd never been there during um, during the afternoon. I'd been there on other nights for like so to see bands play. you showed up during the day drinking and, and let me tell you, the time. day drinking down your... Drowned Your Sorrows crew that's at the Blue Whale, like a scuzzier version of that was hanging out. It looked like like all these old grizzled sailors had bellied up to the bar. It was like old bearded old men that looked like they'd, you know, been working for Long John Silver. <laughs> they just had a pirate, like old man of the sea vibe. And that they were all good. really foul mouthed. And there's like four or five of these guys and they're sitting at the bar and I'm kind of afraid i have a friend waiting for me out in the car and i go in there and i was like let's just take a minute the bartender was in the bathroom and so i go up to the bar and without me even saying anything the one of the old men was like oh so and so he's he's in the pisser he'll be back in five minutes and so i i just kind of waited and he's like yeah he likes young girls like you likes them with bigger tits though just like I'm just here to get my debit card back. Thanks. <laughs> so, fun stories about dive bars and the day drinkers. Avoid the day drinkers. All right. Although anymore now that we're older, I'm not that into the night drinkers too, unless it's like people who are out for a good time of fun without getting completely wrecked. Because 
Why? <laughs> anyway, the blue whale. The blue whale is awesome. Whale. I don't know. All I just right. I just thought about those old men. So. Sure, sure. The day drinkers. Mm-hmm. The uh, I wish my wife wiggled like that. Yeah, they'd be they, but they would say mm-hmm. something way more vulgar. <laughs> sure. Yeah, well, they it were, wasn't. They, they weren't, weren't on daytime. Sixties daytime, daytime television. Yeah, this was this was a uh, circa two thousand one. And I think probably the day drinkers in 1960s America, small town America, probably would have had some crude comments as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Anyway, so the blue whale, I guess that kind of is a character of its own. Um, It is for us. I mean, the bartender's in a way a character, but you never hear the bartender really talk. I'm not sure if I ever learned his name. I don't know if they ever gave his name. We'll have to keep an eye out for that. I think that. he has a few lines and a few episodes, and I'm not even sure how many people have played the bartender. We'll look into it and get back to you guys. Because um, you'll find out later, as you progress through Dark Shadows, that certain characters will go through multiple actors and actresses. Which it's is just classic soap opera. Right. And it's, the only thing that's odd about it, though, is there's no real, like, uh, preface it. There's no, no one, like, tells you what's coming up. Oh, no, they do. They do. At the very beginning, they'll say the role of, like, for an example, Sam Evans is one of the characters that's, for the first few episodes, played by a different character. And then, um, originally, I'll just... I'll just go into the details now. But uh, originally, Sam, the character of Sam Evans, who's one of the day drinkers of the Blue Whale, incidentally. Yeah, we haven't um, gotten to Sam Evans uh, yet. But we'll, we'll talk about him some more. But he was originally played for seven episodes by a guy named Mark Allen. And then he's replaced with an actor named David Ford. Who, who I, we know as the real Sam he's Evans. He's Sam Evans for a good long run. And, and I really like him as Sam Evans. But he looks nothing like Mark Allen. So it was right. some real interesting casting. You're kind of like... You sort of get used to the original guy, and then all of a sudden there's this new guy, and it's hard to remember for a minute. It takes you a few episodes to get used to the new Sam Evans, because you're like, he doesn't even look close. And it kind of makes you forget all the scenes of the old Sam Evans. Yeah. Like, they don't, they, they're they're kind of disattached because of it. Same with, um, uh, what's his name, the... The housekeeper guy. Oh, yeah. So the Collins have a groundskeeper who's definitely the epitome <coughs> of the classic creepy groundskeeper stereotype named uh, Matthew Morgan. I think, yeah, Matthew Morgan. Anyway, right. Matthew originally Matthew. for the first three episodes is played by an actor named George Mitchell. And he basically is like your classic cranky old man right. type. And then he's replaced by a guy um, named... Thayer David, and Thayer David, I guess later on, has other roles. He's a long-time actor on Dark Shadows, but he plays other other roles on the okay. show, which we haven't encountered him in other ro- roles yet. But when he takes over, which is pretty early into the show... They not only change the actor, they change the character the when persona, they change the Yeah, actor. his persona totally changes. Like, Sam Evans basically is the same character right. he just looks really different but but matthew goes through a personality shift pretty much like they he just goes took him from in a, different direction. a cranky old man who is loyal to elizabeth stoddard because like 
she gave him everything he has, basically. Mm-hmm. And he was mucking the mucking the floor from the, the cannery, the fish cannery, which doesn't sound like a great job to, you know, taking care of Collinswood, which is no. a great job. And she gave him a little house to live in. But then later, when the new actor comes in, he's kind of played off as, like, he's not all there. And that's why she gave him the job, was like, you know, to take pity on the poor unfortunate soul that doesn't quite know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, like, he seems like there might be a mild mental disability or some kind of, like, learning. Right. Something's, something's not quite... But it was 1960-something, so they didn't, like, they weren't polite about it, but also they weren't um, showy about it, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it wasn't something that would have been brought up. Well, he he seems... He's definitely also a creepy groundskeeper. And also... And he seems more prone to um, being suspicious and easily angered. Right. When he is taken over by the other actor. So, yeah. So that... Anyway. um, So that happens... Pretty early on, you have these two characters shift, which is a little bit jarring. But then the replacement actors are with the show for a good while, so right. you get used to that. Yeah, usually the replacement actors are the ones you come to love. And we'll we'll make a point of mentioning whenever an actor shifts as far as, you know, certain characters on the show, because it'll happen some more. Right. Because um, soap first... opera... And they replace Burke Devlin's character. Or oh, the actor. The actor for Burke Devlin. Then I get upset. Although, that doesn't happen for a good long while. Right. So we get to revel in some awesome Mitchell Ryan's version of Burke Devlin. Who is in Lethal Weapon. Okay. He also plays uh, Minnie Driver's dad in Gross Point Blank. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, I love Gross Point Blank. Yeah. And also Mitchell Ryan. He's just awesome. So let's see. Also, how badass is the name Burke Devlin? Yeah, totally. So cool. So we've introduced Burke Devlin, uh, former jail cell, uh, onto a life of owning many, 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 many things. Rich dude. The resident Count of Monte Cristo. Right, we've got... He's the the Count of Collinsport. Sure. (laughs) We've got uh, Victoria Winters. We've talked about her. From the foundling home, just trying to figure out who her parents are, caught up in this whole mess. We've got uh, Elizabeth Stoddard, uh, stowed away at that mansion for 18 years, has never left the grounds. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, Carolyn Stoddard, daughter of Elizabeth. She's the Liberty Gibbet blonde. Um, then, let's see, so we can get into more of the Collins family. I think I think maybe we should, yeah. At least next, we haven't talked about Roger Collins or David Collins a whole lot, and they're featured pretty prominently. And there's also a subplot we were thinking we'd discuss in this episode involving those two, which is pretty interesting and wackadoo. Sure, we might just. <laughs> I think we might just get done with explaining the rest of the characters, and then get into the subplot. Another one. We're almost an hour in now. I don't know. Okay, we'll see how it goes. We 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 might split this up. We might not. This 
This uh, Dark Shadows might take longer. The side cast might be longer than the regular podcast. I, I think we should keep going until we're done with the David and, and Roger Collins story. Because sure. if people need to pause it, they can pause it and come back another day or whatever. All right. So we basically introduced the main characters of the beginning and the town and the bar. So now we're introducing the last two characters of the main family. And they're also the main focus around the first main story arc. Mm -hmm. And so that's Roger Collins and his son... um, David. David. David Collins. Yeah. Creepy little David. Who's also played by an actor named David. So that was probably fun and easy. Yeah, it probably works when, you know, you got child actors. And David is, you know, Victoria comes there to be his his governess. Basically his tutor mostly. Um, She's there to educate him because he's homeschooled. He is a very weird child in some ways weird in a good way and other ways weird in an obnoxious way but you know he's an eccentric rich sure. kid who doesn't have any kids his own age to play with so he's naturally going to be a little strange and we're told that um <coughs> roger's wife laura collins david's mother is are we told she's an institute in an institution she's a way I don't yeah. know when they start talking about institutions so roger used to live out of the house with I believe with Laura and David, and that they all lived elsewhere. And then mm-hmm. at some point, Laura had a breakdown, and we're not given a lot of details at this point, but we do get to find out more about her and actually right. meet her later on, which oh, I'm we meet her really right. looking forward to because she has one of my all-time favorite storylines. That's but that's a little that's ways two storylines from this storyline. Definitely, <laughs> but stay tuned for some Laura Collins action. Yeah. So that sounded dirty. Anyway, <laughs> she's she's not in the picture at this point. Um, so a few years, like a few years, I'm not sure how recently Roger moved back to Collinwood with yeah, David. Yeah, they never quite explain it but exactly. Elizabeth has definitely taken her little nephew under her wing and she's very motherly and protective of him. And that's mm-hmm. really cool because Roger is, um, we don't really curse on this show, but he's, he's a piss poor parent to put it mildly. Um. He's terrible. On multiple occasions, he says that he doesn't trust David, that he thinks, you know, that he kind of wishes that he didn't have a son, and he's just mean to him constantly, and when he's not actively being mean to him, he's just being dismissive. Roger's, Roger's just a snob in general, but he's, you can tell he's really messing up his really sensitive, really kind of shy, like David's a kid who plays by himself a lot and he's really into the ghosts of Collinwood and he likes to he wants to torment Victoria when she first gets there like kids do with you know the new people breaking sure. the babysitter the governess and you know oh did you know there's ghosts in the house but he's genuinely interested in the paranormal and he's wide eyed and precocious right. and, and again in the very beginning you think that he's just teasing her about the ghosts and then you find out later that not only does he believe in the ghosts? He sees them and talks to them. And I had to admit, when we first watched this, I was like, oh my god, this kid is terrible. Oh, yeah. But I have to say, like, over the seasons... he war- You warm up to David. I really start to enjoy David, and then when he's not in episodes, there's a couple storylines that don't really involve him later on, and I kind of miss his presence. He's 
played by David Hennessy, and David Hennessy is a really good child actor, um, and he's just, he just, you know, he starts off really grating, and then the more you get to see him, he's just really, um, he's quirky and weird and funny, and he's, he's great. I, I like him, and we're people who don't have kids, and right. don't, we like, we don't dislike kids, but we don't necessarily like all kids, so for us to be like, we like this kid character, like, he's, He's pretty cool, like, in the end. Yeah, um, he's actually, as far as actors go, too, um, he's he's pulling his own weight, because there's definitely, with Dark Shadows, it has the, the, uh, the known quality of where things go wrong in it, and lines are flubbed, and they just keep recording, because, you know, they just gotta get it in the can and put it in you know, out for the next day, and David's lines, when he messes them up, like, he gets right back on them, he's able to improvise, you know, like, better than some of the other cast members, I would even say. If you can tell that if he doesn't remember his line exactly, he knows the content of what he's supposed to be saying, like, he knows knows what's going on in the storyline enough to make up something, or, you know work with the scene and and roger um as we learn used to be friends with burke devlin and burke devlin has it in for all the cons but especially roger because roger was involved in the accident that caused burke to go to jail for manslaughter for five years right and you kind of get the feeling that roger was the one who maybe was responsible that night and we don't get the details on that for a while but um david starts to hear this you know hear the name of burke devlin because you know he's got his cousin carolyn swooning over burke devlin and then the adults are like oh stay away from burke devlin he's here for nefarious purposes and and david decides you know the enemy of my enemy is my friend (laughs) you know in a nutshell and he gets excited and intrigued about who this person is but then also... Yeah, we haven't quite got there yet. Yeah. But, yeah, so he's he's basically um, the David Collins, Roger Collins aspect is our first major plot point. Mm-hmm. And that is that Roger Collins basically hates his son. Like, openly says he hates his son. And he talks about sending him to a school. He wants right. to send him away to a boarding school, and Elizabeth is having none of it because and, she's a loving and decent person. And because Roger Collin hates his son, his son, surprise, surprise, hates him. And he overhears him saying some of these things, like, uh-huh. I want to send him away and Horrible all that. things. Yeah. And, um, while... Everything's going on. Uh, the basically the second Burke Devlin shows up back in town, Roger Collins is fearful mm-hmm. because I mean I don't know why we're beating around the bush. We all know at this point, even if we haven't seen further down the episodes, that Roger Collins is the one that killed that person in the car ten you years know, ago. Ten yeah. years ago, he's night. the one that ran somebody over on the road and then blamed Burke Devlin. Um, so he's fearful the second Burke Devlin's back in town that he's going to get found out. And so that's just ensuing pressure in every direction 
in everybody in town, but not everyone in town knows why the pressure is on. Mm -hmm. They're trying to figure out why everyone's intense and, like, freaking out, but they don't know why. But the whole town feels it. But the whole town is definitely feeling the pressure from Burke Devlin being back in town and the fact that Roger Collins is freaked out. And so Roger Collins being freaked out is freaking out his son yet again, which I feel like is kind of just the normality for their relationship. But Mm -hmm. because of the latest round of craziness, um, David, who is a very smart little boy (laughs) uh, and reads Popular Mechanics... We see him reading well, Popular Mechanics. Watch out if your kid's reading, like, pop, Popular Mechanics and things like that. Would they be reading that on their on their phone these yeah, days? Yeah, they'd be on their... <laughs> they'd, be, they'd be going to pop... Uh, I don't know, maybe Instructables. Yeah, yeah. yeah your if your kid's on Instructables. too much time on Instructables. <laughs> learning how to do things, uh, watch out for that kid. Because David, who hates his father and wishes he would go away and doesn't want to be sent away himself decides to take the bleeder valve off of his father's car's master cylinder for its brakes. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know anything about cars, basically it means that the brakes will work for a while until it runs out of juice. It'll lull you into a false sense of security, and then you'll find yourself going downhill fast. And not being able to stop. And so yeah, Roger Collins gets into a crash, um, and... All of this happens the night that Burke Devlin brings Carolyn Stoddard back home and chats with the Collins family. And, and then yeah. happens with very bad luck to go to the garage and then run into somebody while he's in the garage holding a wrench next to uh, Roger's car. Mm-hmm. So immediately... Everyone thinks that Burke Devlin tried to kill Roger Collins. Yeah, it's it's funny too because the family what the family doesn't realize is that Burke's playing this long game and he doesn't want to physically harm anyone. He wants to ruin and humiliate everyone. Um, and he has been going around looking at all they own and sizing it up kind of in a one day all of this will be mine. Right. So he's scoping out Roger's car because Roger has a nice car and Victoria catches him in the garage standing next to the car holding a wrench and Victoria doesn't actually think he's up to no good. Right. Um, She definitely knows he has it in for the Collins family but she doesn't think that he's you know, right. like that evil. So she never even brings it up until not. the car gets in a wreck and she mm-hmm. goes, well, I did see him in the garage, so maybe he has something to do with it. And so this whole thing ensues where David starts becoming obsessed with crime and punishment and what do you think they would do to someone? Oh, what yeah, you, because and... all it is at the Collins family is talk about, you know, how Burke Devlin tried to kill roger and you know he's gonna go to prison and or well they don't ever say burke devlin that much amongst the family but they Uh talk about whoever did this is gonna go to prison and they're gonna do this to this person they're gonna do that to that person it clearly wasn't an accident right and so david all he's thinking about is they're gonna send me to prison Mm mm-hmm because he's a little boy and he's really scared. He doesn't understand. And yeah, he did a so I really. Think he's what nine? Yeah, right? he did a super messed up thing. But I think it's really well written how he's trying to 
not be suspicious but fish for information from all the adults he talks to right but for like what i'm guessing is in the timeline it's it's multiple episodes so i'm guessing like maybe the span of a week or whatever right. in in collinsport david is pumping adults for information about how like the legal system works and what would happen if this happened and like just right and everyone that no one notices well the thing is is everyone's so focused on burke devlin yeah and so focused on what happened and what they believe happened and trying to prove that that they're just like dismissing david every time he even gets in like the room mm -hmm. and so all the things that he's asking and saying that totally add up like instantly to i just almost killed my father the only person who thinks he's being weird is victoria she notices right and everyone plays her thinking like trying to point it out they're like like, oh, well, that's just the way David is. Well, he's just a little monster. He tries. Yeah, that's what Carolyn always calls him. She's a little, he's a little monster. A little monster. Well, um, David tries to hide the bleeder valve in, valve in Victoria's room. Yeah, first he he's tries in the habit to... of breaking into her room and taking things right. and just being generally disrespectful. But this time he tries to frame her. He tries to frame her first. <laughs> that doesn't and, work. And then she catches him trying to frame her. So he like does some, he tries to say he was going to gift her a seashell or whatever. <laughs> it's so cheesy. It's just such a nine-year-old excuse. It is. <laughs> which is why Victoria Winters rightfully is suspicious of David even though no one will listen to her. Well, she's probably actually spent way more time around children than any of these other adults. Oh, yeah, adults. in and the foundling just, home. Yeah, she's like, uh, I know your scammer ways. <laughs> um, so anyways, so she's seen him act weird, and after uh, he realizes he can't frame Victoria for it. Because he really wants to just, you know, right. blame it on the nanny. <laughs> he hears all this talk about Burke Devlin and how they all think Burke Devlin did it. So, of course, he gets the bleeder valve, and he goes downtown to meet Burke Devlin. Well, not remember, to meet Burke Devlin. How does, does he hitch a ride? He, like, hitchhikes down the hill No, I think he just walks he just to walks? town. It's, it's okay. close enough to town but anyway, that they can he, walk. Yeah, he takes... He walks to town and is he's hanging under out 10 in a hotel. He, yeah, and he takes He's a nine-year-old. I think he's yeah. nine. Yeah. Um, so this nine-year-old <laughs> walks to town... Uh, hangs out at the motel trying to figure out which room is Burke Devlin so he can plant the bleeder valve in his hotel room so that he can frame <laughs> Burke Devlin, a guy he doesn't know, for murder, or attempted murder. And he does. He stuffs He stuffs the bleeder valve in, in mm -hmm. the couch of the the suite that he's staying in at the, lo right. at the local inn. And Burke, Burke actually, like, sits down and talks with him and... And yeah. he realizes he really likes Burke, and Burke's like Burke's so much nicer to him, and so much more attentive than any other adult male in his life. Oh, he and just listens to him for that kind know? of. He's surrounded by women who will pay attention to him, but he doesn't have a, a real dad figure in his life. Right. And you get, you get the feeling that Roger suspects, and it we never get any kind of clarity on this, but Roger kind of alludes to the fact that well, like Burke and Laura Collins kind of had a thing and well i don't know david might not even be mine which david right. would have been delighted if that was the truth he would right. way rather have burke for a dad so he starts to feel 
bad though and Burke's like well I gotta you know I'm gonna take you home now and so he's getting all squirrely on the drive home because he left the leader valve in Burke's right. couch but he doesn't know that Burke has, po- has right. saw the whole thing Burke Devlin it. surprise surprise the mastermind behind trying to take over the entire town was able to see through a nine-year-old's <laughs> plot of destruction um which I guess just shows you how much smarter Burke Devlin is than your average Collins family. Um, it's not that they're dumb. It's just they're very all wrapped up in their own stuff. They don't see the outside world, so they miss a lot. Um, you know they're what a good... absorbed Collins... The Collinses is like the... Uh, oh, what's their name? From Arrested Development. Oh, the Bluth family? The Bluth family. There's, They're yeah. basically a non-comedic Bluth family where, like, they are rich people that don't quite understand the rest of the world. Well, I I would agree with that. I would, do, I would, I would put the disclaimer, though, that, like, pretty much, with the exception of Roger, who is just straight up an ass... Um, the rest of the family is actually, like... They're pretty nice people. They're well-intentioned. Yeah. yeah. Which, They don't you know, quite understand the world, but they're not, like, against the they world. They might be paving that road to hell with their good intentions, but yeah. at least, at least their hearts, for the most part, they, are in the right place. They didn't invent, uh, Cinco de Cuatro, though. I, no. I will say, though, that Roger Collins, he's, he's unlikable, and he says and does a lot of horrible things, but he's really well... Played by actor Lewis Edmonds. Oh, and yeah. And he is really fun to watch on screen. He's, you know, not your favorite character, but he also, because he's this rich smartass, he says these witty, catty things constantly. And so it's just like Roger Collins, in this, played by this actor, is just kind of a delight to watch, even though right. you hate him. He's, he's a well, great villain. He's a character you love to hate. Mm-hmm. He is he's he acts the part so well mm-hmm. he's one of those guys that i'm sure on the street people gave him bad looks and yelled at him and how dare you this and you're such an asshole you know oh, blah see, blah blah if i if i had met him on the street back in the day i would have said let's have a seance because right. <laughs> that's that happens mm. we'll get to that but he's that's also another a few more uh, plot lines down the road. He's a bad person, but he's really entertaining. Um, and, and so anyway, yeah, so it's all revealed. Basically, he has to come to terms with And he actually doesn't seem to have too hard of a time buying it that his son actually... He really wants it to be Burke Devlin, but right. when all is revealed, he's like, kind of like, oh, that makes sense. Right. I knew David hated me. He's actually more disappointed... That it wasn't Burke Devlin that tried to kill him so that he can send Burke Devlin back to prison. And that it was his own son because now he can't send Burke Devlin back to prison. Oh, God. That was his real disappointment. Curses foiled again. Curses. That damn kid. He he prevented me from proving it was Burke Devlin. Well, I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up. Yeah, um, I mean tonight, that's the whole or whatever it is people are. That's listening. basically <laughs> the the intro into Dark Shadows, 
the first main characters. We'll get into other main characters down the road mm -hmm. when we get into our next plot point. Um, next plot point is a murder mystery. Well, and the murder mystery uh, will tie in more with the Burke Devlin, Roger Collins history. Right. And we'll get to know more about, and we'll talk more about uh, two characters that that are really integral to the stories um, that we didn't have time to talk about tonight, right. which would be the Evans family, which would be Sam Evans and his daughter Ma Maggie Evans. Oh, and Maggie. Maggie Evans is one of our favorite characters. So She's we'll, the best. We'll talk a lot about her um, in in a future episode, and in, in future episodes. But um, so for anybody who's a fan of the show and said, oh, but you didn't talk about these guys, we're kind of breaking down characters as as we go and right. trying to break this into digestible bits because there's a lot of material to cover. And I kind of want to talk about right. Dan Curtis some, some more throughout sure. other things that he worked on and his influence on um, both just sort of gothic horror television and just a certain aesthetic that permeated throughout the 60s and 70s. Yeah, I mean, we can even, down the road, have episodes just centered around one character or something, you know, if we ever want to. And it's perfect because our next uh, regular Haunted Davenport episode will be on, the, we'll talk a little bit about the Kolchak series, but we're going to focus specifically on uh, the Kolchak movie, The Night Stalker, which was produced and created partially by Dan Curtis, um, and he... That was one of the highest rated, as far as viewings at the time, uh, that was the most watched TV, made-for-TV movie, I think, in history for a really long time. Um, right. Everybody watched The Night Stalker back in the day. It's before our time, but it's a great movie. And well, a lot of the stuff we cover is before our time. And so we're going we're gonna <coughs> to delve into the world of Kolchak for our next regular episode, and it connects to this. Yeah, so. and we'll have that out. Um, hopefully, we're able to get on that fairly soon. We're yeah. We're doing the if you're listening to this in the distant future and you're not connected to what's going on this month in particular. When this is actually releasing, um, this is this is being record recorded during uh, lockdown. Um, we're both staying at home and away from people social distancing. Well, lockdown is extreme. Yeah. We're, we're, we're in we're... Oregon. We have we are one of the many states with a shelter-in-place order right now as, right. as everybody sort of waits out this this pandemic. And, and we, you know, hope everybody's doing okay and staying yeah. home and not going too stir-crazy. And maybe so, you watch some Dark Shadows with us. There you go. Um... It is definitely, if you are looking for a way to pass many hours and not realize you've just passed many hours, start watching Dark Shadows at, you know, 8 in the morning with a bowl of cereal. Next thing you know, <laughs> you'll be sitting there still watching Dark Shadows and realize that your bowl of cereal turned into a bowl of SpaghettiOs, sure. turned into some ice cream. Maybe light a candle or, you know, have sure, a, a pull the shades glow i believe didn't you say that your grandmother used to kick the kids out of the house well and... yeah so this is what my dad told me that growing up when dark shadows was on my dad and his sisters were not allowed to watch dark shadows um because your like your mom... grandma was was she mormon at yeah that they point were yet? they were raised they were raised uh latter-day saint and uh saints and uh they did not want i think 
the supernatural content was a problem for um, for my grandmother as far as like right. she didn't want her kids for to see the it. kids, not but for her. She would watch it, <laughs> and so dad dad told me that he had these memories of of. Uh, my grandmother sitting on the couch on a sunny day with the curtains drawn watching dark shadows and he wasn't allowed to come in the living room and see it. And then later, one one time a while back, we mentioned, this is a couple years ago, we mentioned that we'd started watching dark shadows and we liked it. And one of my aunts from that same side of the family said, oh, you're watching dark shadows? And I said, have you ever seen it? She's like, no, we weren't ever allowed. I'm like, well, wouldn't that make you want to check it out Right. <laughs> But I, but yeah, so, so my, my grandmother on my dad's side, um, who was very dear to me, um, in my childhood, she was a big fan of the show. And the more we get into the, the more I get a kick out of it because she is definitely anti the supernatural or inquiring into those things. And this show has seances and ghosts and crystal balls and, I don't think anybody ever gets at the Ouija board, but they definitely do a lot of things that I had interests in as a kid and was told, oh no, that's, you know, that's demonic. Don't, right. don't look into that. Um, and so, yeah. that was effective. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so, so I have, I have a family association and I always just thought of it as the vampire soap opera. And so I was, I always thought, I'll check it out someday. And I right. have to say, as someone who loves, um, classic horror and gothic horror and those great haunted house feels. This show just hits the right spot in a certain way. It's definitely comfort food. It's not going to be genuinely scary. It'll be creepy sometimes. Sure. But it's a you know slower pace than modern horror television is today. But it's just like a comfy, creepy blanket. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it really is easy to get lost in them because you'll just start hearing the theme music and realize, oh, wait, we're on a new episode. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, pull, pull all the curtains, get nice and dark, uh, cozy up on your couch while you're, if you're working from home or if you're one of the unfortunate ones like me who's now trying to figure out the new unemployment systems of the world. Um, <laughs> and watch some dark shadows. Light a candle. Uh, maybe make yourself a cocktail or some tea or something, depending on what time of day it is, if you're one of the day drinkers or not. Do you have some Halloween decorations? Maybe pull them out for fun. Sure, yeah. Our, ho our house, our living room in particular, is a little bit um, inspired. Every day is Halloween at our house. Well, we have kind of different themed rooms in our house because we're nutty and artistic. And our living room is like lightly Haunted Mansion themed. And now kind of the hallway too. Um, but uh, when we, we've got some uh, battery operated flicker candles and sconces and different things. And so when we're watching Dark Shadows, you look around and... There's just kind of the perfect atmosphere. We've got some curtains that kind of have like a haunted mansion wallpaper print on them. It's not the actual sure. wallpaper, but it's got a similar style. And you don't have to go that deep. Vibe. You don't sure. have to go that deep, but you know, no, cur curl up for <laughs> for some good uh, spooky enjoyment and great uh, mid-century furniture. 
Um, have a cup of hot cocoa. And, yeah. And and picture, picture the fog coffee. rolling That's in. another yeah. Twin Peaks connection. Oh, There's a lot of coffee drink in, that's this, true. in this show. Thank you for bringing that up because I wanted to mention that because there is there are lots of conversations about coffee. There's pictures of coffee, descriptions of coffee. Dang, that's a really good cup of coffee. It's almost on the level of Kyle McLaughlin on Twin Peaks as right. Agent Cooper. I feel like Agent Cooper would actually have really dug Colin's port. Oh, yeah. And their coffee, so. Instead of talking about smell those dug furs, he'd be talking about smell that ocean air. Well, hell, Maggie Maggie Evans, she works at a, at a little cafe that's attached to the local inn. We haven't inn. gotten to yet. But, but like, yeah. you know, her little outfit's not that far from the R&R diner. Oh, yeah. So She's I adorable. Think, I think there's a lot of parallels. Yeah, there's for sure... A good possibility that there's some David Lynch inspiration there. The thing I love about talking about retro horror and sci-fi television is that so much of it interconnects with either actors or producers or directors or um, or just influences. And it's fun to get to talk about all these things and kind of connect the dots of like sure. what influenced what and oh, who I mean, worked on what. It's like spooky cells Mm -hmm. and dan curtis who we'll probably get really more and more deep into he was not a spooky guy no he his first big show was golf (laughs) yeah it's so strange he made his big debut in television showing golf on tv Um, (laughs) he made a lot of money at it and he pitched some other ideas and made money at them and then he pitched this show, and it was just another way for him to make some money. He figured, you know, this wasn't there yet. We could make this happen. And then people loved it so much that after this, he wasn't able to do non-spooky things too much yeah. because people just wanted the dark shadows. Which would be sad if you didn't love spooky. You know, if it was me and I had any kind of talent for television production and people were like, Give us all your spooky. I mean, it's not the only thing I'm into. Sure. But I, you'd be happily I wouldn't giving be, spooky I wouldn't get for tired. years. I wouldn't, yeah. And you I think say that now. It. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, but that's... <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not going to be my fate. But, um, yeah, so we'll we'll wrap up for, for this episode, but look so, forward to subsequent episodes. Um, we're going to yeah. try and make the best of this staying at home time and try to create a little extra content and obviously there's so much dark shadows that we'll be trying to squeeze in some even back when we're on our regular regular life schedule um but yeah in the meantime um thanks for listening yeah you can check out if you haven't already you can check out our homepage. it's the hauntedDavenport.com. we post photos and show notes and relevant links um we are also, if you're not already listening through iTunes or Apple Podcasts, we're available through that and also Podbean. So whichever format you're using, if you're feeling like switching it up, um, or you can listen directly through the website, which I do with a lot of podcasts. I know that's weird. I think most people use some kind of app, but I often have my laptop open when I'm working and I'm just listening to a podcast, usually on their homepage. Um, but yeah, so we will be back soon with a regular episode we'll be talking some cool check um, and we have a fun announcement for that episode um, we just need to 
get accustomed to recording from Skype because for a long time listeners, uh, they would know that we generally gather at our home and watch whatever we're covering that, as a group. That's the only and, way we've ever done it. Yeah, and we watch as a group and then we record in in a room in our house. We're very and, odd for podcasters. Yeah, well, and we're, you know, we're hobbyists. We're not pros or anything, sure. obviously. So we're going to learn how to do it via So Skype. we're going to, or, or, you know, or possibly Zoom. There's a lot of different One of those video things. chat applications we can try. So we're going to dabble with that. Once we get a handle on that, we're going to uh, kick out a, a new episode. I know we're a little bit behind from our normal monthly schedule. And then look for more dark shadows if that's your thing and and i highly recommend checking out some episodes on amazon prime if you have access there may be some on youtube as well if that's not something you have access to um i know there's some different dvd sets out there available varying price and then definitely if you're a fan at all check out master of dark shadows from 2019 it's a good documentary it's really thorough, and if you've seen the show, you don't have to worry about spoilers, so um, it's a good time. And you get some great right. interviews from, um, I know, the actress who plays Carolyn Stoddard, uh, Nancy Barrett is in it, the um, actress who played, uh, who plays Maggie Evans, Catherine Lee Scott is in it. Lots of great interviews from lots of the cast, which, as any daytime drama would have, an extensive cast, so many people, mm-hmm. and we'll get to know them all over the course of this side cast. So. Yeah. And if you're intrigued by all that we just talked about, which I can't blame you, it's an intriguing show, um, and you want to watch along with us before we talk about things, we're talking plot points at a time, and so we've just now gotten up to the end of who tried to kill Roger with the car, and when you find out that... We don't know what episode number that is. Right. I'm just saying, (laughs) if you're watching along, basically the episode when everyone finds out that it was David who tried to kill his father, even Roger, and everyone knows, that is where we have stopped talking, and then we will do our next episode will be a murder mystery... And so if you want to watch ahead and not have any spoilers, mm-hmm. you'll want to watch up until you find out who murdered this person and why. Yeah, you find out who was murdered and who, and, and who did it. <clears throat> yeah, that's the next plot we're going to talk about. And so if you want to be spoiler-free and see the episodes first, you got some watching to do. And you might be able to get all that watching done before we record another episode. But there is a lot of episodes there. So start watching and continue on and be strong. It only gets better and better as you go (laughs) along. Trust me. All right, guys. Well, we wish you all the best and hope you stay well. And join us again next time on The Haunted Davenport. All right. Yeah. Stay safe and stay home.
Dark Shadows is a Dan Curtis production.